Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Avery Brooks. Hello, Avery. Hey, Anita. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Thanks for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Awesome. So, um, Avery, I don't even know, do you, what part of the country do you live in? I'm in Western Colorado. So about as close as you get to Utah without being in Utah. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So is that mountain time then? Yeah. Even Uh, though I live in the desert. Oh, okay. Great. (laughs) All right. I'm, uh, I'm on Eastern time here. So. Mm -hmm. And what part are you in? Um, I'm on the East coast in Pennsylvania. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally an East Coast girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Avery is uh, let's let's talk about your book, Other Girls. Okay, um, is that your first published novel? Yes, um, Other Girls came out in December of 2019 from Bywater Books. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the story of Other Girls? Sure. So the story kind of centers around uh, Sam or Samantha. She's a 30-something single mom of a five-year-old boy named Jake. Um, And she lost her wife suddenly um, three years before the book starts um, to a brain aneurysm. And it basically kind of follows Sam's story as her former high school bully, Ashley Valence, moves back to New Orleans is where it's all set and joins Sam's softball team. And so it's kind of following them as they meet each other again, 16 years after high school uh, and all the emotions and turmoil that kind of brings up for both of them. But it's a lot about kind of going through hardships and trauma, finding yourself and learning to love again. Okay. Wow. That sounds, um, sounds like you have a winner there. I've been hearing, (laughs) I I have to tell you, I haven't read it, but I've been hearing really good things about it. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you come up with that storyline? Um, this is where I wish I had a better memory. Uh, so, <laughs> say organically, I know the first thing that popped in my mind um, that I recall was uh, there's a fairly poignant toy of Jake, the little boy is named Tony. It's a little transformer former toy. Yeah. Um, and so the imagery of that came to me and kind of his relationship with his mom, who's the main character, Sam. Uh, so it kind of came from that. And then Ashley and the bully line, um, came secondarily to that. Yeah. Okay. So Ashley's the bully, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll kind of go back and forth, you know, they were known as Samantha and Ashley in high school. And I kind of, um, also wrote this in the book. I don't know if anyone caught it, but as Sam gets to know Ashley as Ash, the adult, she starts to refer to her as Ash instead of Ashley. And so, you know, if I go back and forth between those two things during this interview, Forgive me, but there's a reason. <laughs> okay. I, no, no, that's great. That's that's wonderful. So uh, what made you choose New Orleans as the setting? Yeah. Um, so I lived in New Orleans for a year. Um, I was doing a postdoc there right after the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Um, mm-hmm. And even though I was only there for a year, it's one of the most – poignant places in my life. Um, You know, my heart is still very much there. I'm a huge uh, Saints fan, the football team. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I was, 
it was, it meant a lot to me to take that culture in and to see New Orleans people struggle through um, the oil spill. And I was helping specifically with the pelicans there and the birds that were oiled. So it was a very trying time and seeing how the, the people who are fisher men and women um, were truly impacted and, you know, lost their livelihood and how that was dealt with by um, the oil, well, BP and other things. So, um, you know, it just it stuck with me. There's so much culture there and I have so much love for the city that even though I love Colorado and I'm actually from Virginia originally, so okay. <laughs> East Coast girl, um, <laughs> you know, New Orleans just is where all the stories I've written so far have come from. Okay. for whatever reason. All right. So it must hold a very special place in your heart. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So you mentioned that you were helping with the, you know, the birds that were um, impacted by that oil spill. Is yeah. that, is that what you do? Is that your primary career? Uh, I guess it used to be. Um, oh, so okay. yeah, I was an evolutionary biologist. So I used to be a biology professor um, so I was a biology professor here in Colorado. Um, so I did the Pelican research before getting my full-time position here. Um, but I left academia in 2017 and now I just focus mostly on kind of writing still. Um, so more like science writing and also social justice writing or ideally at the intersection of both. And then I also do like copy editing for other authors and writing fiction, but yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. It's funny. I left academia in 2017 also. So, yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad, glad to be gone, too. <laughs> I would second that. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends. There's definitely, like, trials and tribulations with anyone in academia. But um, my specific situation, I was glad to, you know, get out of it and um, I've been very thankful for the, you know, the writing world that I've entered and kind of the flexibility from that point on, but nothing to take away from academics. It's a commendable. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I was in it for like, I don't know, 18 years or something like that. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Great. Wow. So now you're just kind of immersed in this whole writing world. Yeah, I mean, you know, nonfiction for my primary career and then fiction for the side career, I guess, or fun of, you know, writing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, they both task similar parts of the brain in some ways and, and in other ways, completely opposite parts of the brain. Yeah, that's so cool. Good for you. What, yeah. a, what a way to combine, you know, uh, your formal education, I'll say, with, you know, your passion. Yeah, well, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. So so how long did it take you to write other girls? Um, well, so I was part of the GCLS Writing Academy. Um, and so part of that is to write a novel. That's part of, you know, the point of the program is to finish a, a first draft of a novel. Okay. So because, um, I don't know if all academics are procrastinators, but I certainly am. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, of course I waited till about a month before the deadline. Um, so the first 
you know, draft was a bit intense. It took about a month or so, um, as I had exactly to write it. Um, and that's not to say I hadn't thought about the book prior. You know, I had submitted a scene I had written to get into the GCLS Writing Academy, and I'd been thinking through the story, but the bulk of it was written in that timeline. And then um, after I signed with Bywater, I decided it was mostly from Sam's point of view, well, all from Sam's point of view when I first wrote it. Mm-hmm. So I went back and revised the majority of the story and added Ash's point of view in. So it's from both of their points of view. Um, so that took several months and then going through the editing and publication process. So, um, yeah. Very cool. So tell me, I didn't know you went through the Writing Academy. So for our listeners who don't know, um mm-hmm. It's the Golden Crown Literary Society Writing Academy, um, and it's something that you um, you have to apply to. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's a fee involved, but they also have scholarships. Um, and and tell us how was that for you? How was that whole process? Um, it was amazing. I, I mean, I would wholeheartedly recommend that experience, that program, to anyone. Um, obviously it's focused on lesbic. So, you know, wanting to be a lesbic writer, <laughs> maybe not anyone, anyone, but yeah, uh, but <laughs> Good yeah, point. So, yeah, it is the process that you apply. And I know there, they have a certain number of spots each year and because it's becoming more and more popular and the word is getting out about how incredible it is, um, those fill up more quickly. Um, so you want to look at, you know, when, when, um, their application period is, if they still have openings, but it starts, I believe in August of the year and then it runs through and then you graduate at that year's July GCLS conference. Um, and we were the first year I was in it 2017 to 2018 where they had us write a short story as well as a novel. So I got a short story published during that experience and that was a nice kind of trial for getting me ready for the, you know, the experience of finishing a novel as well. Um, and What's your short yeah. story? It's called New Year, New Year. Sorry, New Year, New You. <laughs> new Year, New You. Okay. Yeah, kind of like a after New Year's kind of thing, and um, it's in the Written Dreams anthology, which was a fundraiser for the GCLS Writing Academy. So I don't know if they've continued to do the short story with um, subsequent years, but basically, you're in there with a cohort of other writers, some had already published, some were had never written anything, um, some were in between there. And you learn the basics of writing. Um, Beth Burnett was leading it, you know, with Joy Van Stralen when I was in it. And you have all these guest um, presenters like Georgia Beers and Melissa Braden and Ann McMahon. And it was just incredible to have like these icons and heroes to me teaching us the craft, you know, these award-winning authors. And then um, the other part of it, too, is you're um, assigned a mentor. And so you work one-on-one with an award-winning author. And so I was very fortunate to um, be paired up with Georgia Beers. And um, so she had read through the first draft of Other Girls and was way too kind and encouraging in her feedback on that. Oh, I'm sure not. She was very nice, Um, you know, but I think one of the biggest things I got out of that experience beyond just, you know, even more admiration for Georgia and all the people involved is just some lifelong friends. You know, I I write regularly um, through Zoom now (laughs) Uh with uh, 
several of my, my cohort, you know, and for me, I'm, I live in a place where there's not a lot of LGBT community. So it, it really was a survival for me at that time, leaving academia and needing to have more community, yeah. um, to find other people like me, meaning gay, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and also people that love lesbic and, and understand the importance of strong writing and what a story can, ver- can do for people, you know? Oh, that's wonderful. Sounds like you really, really had an awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I would say 99.9% of us would say the same, you know? Mm-hmm. So is that like you, did you finished the draft then? Um, mm-hmm. before the end of the Academy and then, and then how did you go about getting it published? Yeah. So, um, you know, Beth is an amazing person, Beth Burnett. She mm-hmm. was the education director at GCLS. I think she still is. I know they're changing some roles around. She does about 50 full-time jobs. So I can never keep up, but, and, um, and she's in grad school. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, so she's a tour de force, you know, yeah. um, she always cracks me up and you can't talk to her without smiling. Um, but yeah, so they had encouraged us, you know, to try pitching, um, our books and stuff. And so I had just, you know, we were about to go to the conference and graduate the Golden Crown Literary Society conference. So, you know, Bold Strokes has some pitch sessions you can sign up for and then Bywater as well. Um, so I went and pitched it just trying to get practice with that and, myself out of my comfort zone, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and was very shocked and amazed that, um, Bywater actually chose to sign me after I pitched it to them. And they had, they had asked for the book prior to me pitching. So they had read a good portion as well. Yeah. It was really incredible. Um, awesome. Yeah. I definitely walked out with my like jaw hanging up. (laughs) Uh, that's great. You must have been like walking on clouds. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely, you know, the logical person in me was thinking that couldn't have just happened. You know, <laughs> I'm sure um, they were joking because <laughs> Ann McMahon and Salem West are hilarious and yeah. so sarcastic. But um, yeah, it was just, you know, honestly, everything with the GCLS ha- has been, you know, I don't really follow fairy tales like unless they're like, uh, Anna Burke's rewritings of fairy tales, but you know, everything has been so easy and like a fairy tale in that way. Not to say that writing isn't hard and revising and publishing and that definitely pushed me to my brink. Um, but the support that comes from GCLS and also Bywater and all the friends I've made, um, both readers and authors alike, you know, it's, you know, I come from a background where I used to study primate, non-human primates like lemurs in Madagascar and stuff and like uh you know it's a very backstabbing dog eat dog world (laughs) so to find a a field where people are so supportive and really want the best for you is it's really been pretty amazing wow that's like night and day right yeah for sure ah good for you i'm so happy for you thank you that's awesome and and that's a great publishing story you know that really is yes it it is like a fairy tale right Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Good for you. So, um, do you have uh, a work in in progress or something that is going to be released soon? Yeah, so I'm working on Drea's story. So Drea is Sam's best friend and other girls, and 
I kind of fell in love with her character when I wrote Other Girls. Um, and I've heard from several people that they felt the same way. And so that's kind of been the next path. I had written Other Girls with several other kind of lesbianish characters in there with the idea of it being more than one book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm working on right now. Um, and a couple other little side projects, but I'll kind of under promise and hopefully over deliver rather than the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And do you like, um, is, uh, Bywater, like, did you already sign with them for the second book or do you have to pitch it to them? No, I'll, yeah, I'll pitch it to them when it's, you know, completed and ready to, to go and fingers crossed that will be good, um, with them and, yeah. Okay. So what made you decide to like um, pursue writing as a full-time career? Um, yeah, it definitely wasn't like something I set out to do. Um, you know, writing's always been very big in my life, but more scientific writing. Um, you know, my students used to call me the comma Nazi. So I was always really good ah, at spelling ah, grammar. And- hey, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, but scientific writing is very different, as you would know, from, you know, creative writing. Um, so there was a, a little story, Robinson Crusoe-ish, with a, a monkey lead that I wrote in second grade that was a hit with my classmates. But, you know, other than that and some essays, um, it really wasn't until probably like 2015, 2016, when I kind of discovered the field of lesfic. Um had grown because, you know, when I was younger, growing up in Virginia, I had read Rita Mae Brown mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Ruby Fruit Jungle and Venus Envy were both set in Virginia. And so that really resonated with me that, oh my God, there's this kick-ass lesbian character in Virginia, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I was even at a conference uh, in Chicago in grad school in like 2004, I think, and uh, Dorothy Allison was speaking at some feminist conference. And so I, I only caught the very end of it. But she had gone around surveying all these women there. And she had asked them, you know, what was your kind of favorite um, feminist book or lesbic book? And most of them were saying Rita Mae Brown. And she actually made the comment that, you know, it's 2004 and we're still saying Rita Mae Brown only. Um, and so I kind of went off and went to Madagascar and was doing field work and just assumed that really not much was being written. So then fast forward 10 years, 2015, 2016, just being really kind of fed up with no LGBT community here. Um, and I Googled, I'm pretty sure, like free lesbian fiction <laughs> or uh-huh. something. And um, lo and behold, Georgia Beer showed up. Uh, starting from scratch, and it was her audiobook, but she actually narrated herself. And um, listened to that, then read pretty much everything she wrote, discovered Melissa Braden through her, um, you know, Radcliffe, all these people, Robin Alexander. Um, and I just really immersed myself the nights and weekends I would read nonstop to give me kind of the, the strength to make it through another week without any LGBT community. Um, and I think just becoming so immersed in that and always wanting to be a writer, but being focused on academia, um, you know, it just took me leaving academia once I was like to a very strong level of 
not liking it um, to kind of pursue that next step. Yeah, that must have been like, I don't I don't even know, like a dream come true that, you know, you start reading Lesfic again with Georgia Beers and she ends up being your mentor. Yeah, well, that's what I mean about the fairy tale thing. It, you know, it was really, um, you have been fighting so hard for something I had wanted so long, which was being in academia and it just, you know, kind of taking everything out of you, um, you know, and realizing, okay, maybe my dream isn't what it always was anymore. And letting that, letting yourself grieve that and then also embrace it, you know, and it, it was actually attending GCLS in 2017 in Chicago. I came back and I resigned, but it was getting to see that there was a community out there and people like me and people who are passionate about books like I am and to realize there's more to life than what I was living, you know, at that moment. That's a gutsy um, move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very gutsy and maybe stupid at the time, but uh, it needed to happen. Um, but yeah, so to it just felt full circle when, you know, they announced that Georgia was my mentor. There was like a moment of elation and just, oh my gosh. And then the second second was, holy shit. Georgia Beers is my mentor. I can't suck. Like, I need to write something good. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Oh, God. That is, now I, I get a clearer understanding of, of what you mean by fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. That's wonderful. Good for you. So, but just the, the second, like, it wasn't easy. <laughs> Yeah. Like you know, writing and revising and all that kind of stuff. And also just working through your own, you know, self-doubt, like anyone who's ever faced that, which I think is most people in, in some way or another, like that's hard. So I don't want it to make it sound like it was super easy, but there are definitely some, some things very aligned that worked, you know, very well and, and awesomely um, in that whole process. So it was, it was a blessing for sure. So it's hard work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm so glad to hear you say that um, because, you know, a, a lot of authors were like, yeah, I just wrote this book and, you know, and it's like, you know, kind of you get this uh, or I get the impression that it's, you know, just really easy peasy and nothing to it. And, you know, um, and that always amazes me. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I it, mean, I think there's people... I mean, definitely becoming a writer myself, and it still feels weird to say that, but to have written a book, it makes me appreciate people like Georgia and Melissa and Radcliffe and so many people out there who have written so many great stories, haven't reused the same storylines, haven't reused the same character traits or whatever. You know, it, you just appreciate it from a much deeper level once you cross to the, the writer side as well, I found. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, I, I think like any craft or profession, you know, the more and more you practice, the better you, you get at it. So I, I don't know that anyone would say it's easy. You may, I don't know if Stephen King says it's easy, you know, but um, I think you, you hone your, your process, you know, and I'm definitely still more at the beginning end of that, of working out what works for me. But, um, but yeah, I think it's hard for most people and a lot of it too. I found the revision process really hard. Um, yeah, it's like a pain. Yeah. And I know some authors who love that. You know, they just love coming up with different words. You're seeing all the errors they made and stuff. And I'm masochistic, but not that masochistic. So, 
you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I think that should give people maybe if they're readers or people who want to write and haven't written yet or are struggling to get it out, um, you know, some hope that just because all the elements can align and things can move forward well for someone doesn't mean there isn't a lot of, you know, it's a very solitary practice and a lot of hours that go into it and also, you know, trusting yourself and, and trying to kind of get the best story out there. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it's definitely not easy, but I think it's incredibly worth it. And I think with time it can get easier. Yeah. So, so, you know, you talked about developing your craft and then, and then you have, you have to practice, right. To, to get better, um, right. hone your skills. So how often do you write? Yeah. I mean, as often as I can. So, you know, it's a little tricky because when I talk about writing, I'm talking also about, you know, the nonfiction writing I'm doing as, as my day job. And so that, I am writing most days. With so that. is that like, it's nonfiction, but is that more like technical writing? Yeah. So, um, like science writer articles, okay. blog articles, social justice, um, projects, consulting and things like that. So, you know, right now I'm writing articles, um, for a science program talking about how they serve, um, underserved groups. So tribal communities and my, you know, um, people of color and women and, you know, and it, it's incredibly rewarding and amazing because what really gets me is talking to people who are passionate about what they're doing and making the world a better place, you know, and really writing some wrongs, societally speaking, mm -hmm. um, whether it's people not being given access to the same resources because of the color of their skin or um, things like that. And so, you know, it, it's still writing, but there's definitely a need to get it right because it is nonfiction and making sure that you tell someone else's story versus, you know, when I'm writing fiction, it's, it's my story. Um, you know, I can create the characters and I'm, you know, I mean, as much as control of, <laughs> as any author is, I think there's a lot of uh, serendipity that goes along with that. And that's kind of the fun of it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're but yeah, creating so, a whole world. Yeah. So to answer your question, you know, it really kind of depends on on my schedule um, in terms of what I have due. But most days I'm writing, it just might not be fiction. But even if I'm not writing, I, you know, like most women, my brain never really shuts off. And so I'm usually thinking through a scene or a character or a plot point. And I think that's also something with procrastinators, you know, is that I used to think of it as a bad thing when I was growing up. And then I would tutor kids and like how to be successful in college and stuff too. And with procrastination, it usually isn't that you're just not thinking about the thing. Usually you're putting together pieces in your mind until you hit this like critical mass where it just flows out of you, you know? Mm -hmm. So it can actually be a pretty powerful maybe strategy. Mm -hmm. um, or at least that's what I'll tell myself when I'm like not sitting at my laptop. <laughs> no, I totally understand that. That is how I operate. Like I, um, yeah, like if I have a project due, um, I will, I will wait probably to the last minute to get it down, but I will be thinking about it and thinking about, you know, what I'm going to include in that the whole way, you know? Yeah. 
Um, I had a friend in grad school who would get it done in time, but always like waited to submit it until the next day. And I was like, are you insane? What if you get hit by a bus and it's already done? Because like, <laughs> I'm up until the next morning, like finishing at the moment. Too, you know? Oh, that's great. I know. I'm just thinking I have a project due for work right now. And I'm like, uh, for the last two weeks, I've just been mulling it over in my head. And I, and you know, I just started putting some things down on paper, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it'll happen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not worried. So, um, what, uh, so you don't write every day, but you write when you can. So when you, when you get an idea, let's say you, you know, um, for, for Drea, like you're, you know, writing about her, do you try to keep a schedule? Um, if you can, um, by schedule, do you mean like how many hours I'm going to write or what time I'm going to write or? Yeah. Yeah. Like any time, like any kind of schedule, like whatever you would call it. Or I know some writers who will say, well, I'm going to do, you know, a thousand words today or 5,000 words this weekend. Um, something like that. Yeah. I probably go more by word count of just wanting to hit a certain mark or, you know, a certain timeline, um, like, you know, getting two hours in or, or whatever, um, definitely in like the planning stages, um, you know, I am more of a, a planner. And so having to make sure that gets done. And I think, um, you know, I have tried to write like kind of freestyle. And I find that if I don't know where I'm going, it often gets me into trouble because I let it go too far. Um, so, <laughs> which can be fun, but not when there's no actual like plot. <laughs> yep. um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, it is a little bit more regimented. It really just depends on kind of um, what deadline I have. But I try to write, you know, a couple hours um, every day. It's just, you know, when I did Other Girls, it was under such a pressured um, deadline that, you know, I was writing five or six hours a day, sometimes more, to get it all done, you know. Um, it's like and being I in school. That. What's that? That's like being in school. Yeah, yeah. And... But as a procrastinator, you know, it, it is something I have to work on to kind of sit in the chair and do the regular writing um, because I find that I usually will leave stuff off and then need to write a bunch, you know. Yeah. And there are pros and cons to that. You know, if when I wrote the first draft of Other Girls in a month, I knew exactly where I was. I knew exactly where I was going because it was so manic and intense, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. whereas if you string it out over, you know, a couple months or several months, you might lose where you are and spend a lot of time having to go back and figure out things like that, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm still working on kind of what is the best process for me, but um, yeah, I mean, I try to write most days or work through um, the planning if anything's gotten caught up like a plot point and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean about forgetting. Uh, so I, like uh, some authors that I've read, like I think that I, I wonder how long um, they kind of put off from where they started the book to where they ended it. Because sometimes I feel like some things are repeated and maybe they forgot they already said that in the beginning, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned um, uh, being a, a planner versus what would be like a, a someone who would be like a pantser right and right. and yeah. i think about and you you also mentioned like georgia beers and um uh melissa Braden and radcliffe who man they crank out 
I don't know how many books a year, right? Yeah. And and um, someone like that, like you would think that they would be a planner, but I know they have all said that they're not all planners all the time. Like they're pantsers at times, you know, hmm. um, which yeah. is incredible to me, you know? Yeah. Well, I know like Georgia's answer to that because she did a class for our writing academy um, about it. And she said she's kind of in between. I forget. So it's Potter and Pantser. I think she was like a plants. Plants. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of felt like it hit home for me the way I did the first book, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but now on the second book, I'm plotting probably more because, you know, maybe a year ago I tried to write free form <laughs> and realized that wasn't a good strategy for me. No. Story um, so, yeah, but, you know. Melissa and Georgia and Radcliffe are also these like celestial, otherworldly things, right? <laughs> you know, not only are amazing writers, but highly, highly productive writers. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I would never put myself in the same category as them. Um, but that's amazing to think that. Um, I mean, I think they've honed their craft so much at this point that yeah. they can just flow. You know, yeah, so. and I think about like like so many like Aurora Ray and Carson mm-hmm. Tate, like they're in that same category. You know, um, there are just so many great authors who just really can produce um, a lot of work uh, in a year's time. Um, it's incredible. I mean, I've been really um, those are I think everybody with bold strokes, right? But um, like Anna Burke, who's with Bywater as well. I mean, she is amazing because she's also going through a master's program. She also had COVID and has been sick from that. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, I'm not familiar with her. Yeah, you need to read her. Okay. Um, so she wrote Compass Rose, which was her debut. Um, pretty much every one of her books has won an award at this point. And that was set in the year like 2500. She did a lot of climate change research, which is also kind of my background. So um, we geeked out over that. But it's <laughs> a love story. And um but she rewrites fairy tales um, through an LGBTQ lens. So she did um, Thorn as a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, which was Ford Book of the Year. Hmm. Um, wow. And then Nottingham, which has trans characters in it, okay. um, which is awesome. And is that Robin, I don't know, is that Robin Hood? Yeah, R O B Y N Hood. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, she's, she's brilliant and she's lyrical in her writing. Um, and I think she's taking over the writing academy. I'm not positive on that or she's a guest um, presenter, but yeah. So, um, I don't know, but, uh, she also just put out her first of a a romance series as well, but you know, it's it's amazing to me how productive she is and, you know, uh, Cheryl Head and Stephanie Duell too. So yeah, yeah. There's so many writers out there. I mean, I and also Robin Alexander. I love her. Whenever I need a, a good laugh, um, you know, she's she's great at a love story, but she also cracks me up, and it's with a Southern contingent nice. characters, so that's always fun, too. Kind of like Rita Mae Brown. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, Jenny Frame, I, I didn't oh, think yeah. I would like her books because, you know, from the cover, I thought they were, like, period pieces. Mm-hmm. And I really got into her when I discovered, you know, Georgia and Melissa and, um, she's, she's really good as well. Um, mm-hmm. so I love, even I love her stuff. Yeah. 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 So 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All great authors. So um, what what do you think you'd be doing with your time? Like, what do you do with your time when you don't write? Um. Well, right now, binge on Netflix. So Wentworth just came out. I was telling my uh, Facebook community that I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like, no. when, you know, um, orange meets black is like, you maybe you even want to go to prison after watching that because you can make friends and like, have fun or whatever. Wentworth is like, you're, you're going to get shivved if you go to prison. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Orange is New Black. But they got some great LGBTQ characters in there. Um, and yeah. So yeah, I do that. But, you know, for me, I'm really passionate about like social justice and human rights work. And so even if I were writing fiction full time, which maybe one day would be happening down the line, that'd be awesome. You know, I'll always volunteer or be involved in projects that advance those societal goals. You know, we have so much we have so much writing on our our community, the LGBTQ community and, um, you know, just everything right now. So it's just really important to show up and, you know, vote and all these things. So these are issues that even if I wasn't writing, you know, um, blog articles or other articles about it. I would be doing it in some form. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. What's that? I don't know if you heard my dog drinking water in the background. I did. I did. It's it's a very familiar sound to me. (laughs) She says hello. What's your dog's name? Oh, I have two. Sevi was the one drinking and now she's carrying an elephant toy to the couch to bark from and uh, Stripe is probably eating my veg bread or something somewhere. (laughs) Oh, great. Awesome. (laughs) So, uh, Avery, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Is there anything that, that your older self now would, you know, tell your younger self something that you needed to know? Uh, oh, that's a tough question. I feel all fancy, you know, how they ask like real celebrities that question, you know, and they'll write books with their answers, like write a letter to your younger self, uh, <laughs> so get all off on my soapbox. It's not even to my younger self. It might be to myself earlier today, you know, given the way 2020 has been going. Um, so I would just say, it, you know, it's all going to be okay and to enjoy the ride, you know. Um, even those, like, revisions I talked about that really pushed me to the edge and, you know, stuff for readers and, and other authors out there. Like, you know sometimes there's tough things to experience, but try to keep your eye on the lesson learned or what to get out of it and how to overcome it and how it makes you better, you know? Um, and I know even with like COVID, this has been such a trying year for so many people and it's so serious Mm -hmm. for so many people with mental health and also unsafe situations at home. Um, but so much good has come of it too. You know, like our local shelter, I did a story about, you know, they put all the animals that normally would be in the shelter into foster homes because they had to close down the shelter. And they realized, oh, well, we could actually have increased our capacity by like two or three times. So all these animals that have, this is a no-kill shelter, but had we followed these practices and not just put the cute ones in the shelter, you know, so many lives could have been saved through these like more efficient methods. So it's things like that of just rethinking how we work and, you know, and what really is important. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I know, um, no, I totally agree. I think a lot of people are rethinking how they work and what's important to them. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, like even on a, a corporate level, you know. Um, yeah. So I think we're we're seeing some some positive changes, you know, in the middle of this really awful awful year, um, which is great, you know. Yeah. So. Um, so, um, do you like to hear from your readers? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's been like, you know, a really awesome part of this experience, um, is that other girls was, you know, pretty well received. And so I've been really grateful for the other authors I've met and especially the readers, you know? Um, so, you know, it's great to hear that they enjoyed the book or, you know, um, kind of what's going on with them. So how would um, our listeners and your readers contact you? Um, yeah, I'm probably most present on Facebook. Okay. So I'm Avery Brooks author there. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is Avery Brooks author and Twitter's author Avery. I'm less good about posting on there. Um, but my website, AveryBrooksAuthor.com, um, they can, has my email so they can contact me on there and you know, I love hearing from readers. Um, so, um, yeah. Awesome. All right. So Facebook is probably the best way to get a hold of you, um, Mm -hmm. or through your website. Yeah. Um, All right. Excellent. Well, Avery, um, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Um, it was really a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. Um, and for our listeners, be sure to check out Avery Brooks's book called Other Girls, which came out in December uh, through Bywater Books. Um, I know I will be checking that out tonight. So, um, again, that's all the time we have for today. And I'm Anita Kelly. And thanks for joining. Let's talk about books, baby. So until next time, may your journey be lighthearted and peace be plenty.